Greening Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 98 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Bruno. And that's right, folks, I did say Brian and Bruno. We are joined today by a very special guest, a very dear friend of mine, Bruno. Bruno D., how are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm well-fed and ready to do this. <laughs> so uh, out of everyone in the sort of like double density sphere of influence who exists, you are by far the person I've known the most. We were talking about this earlier. I've known you for about... Uh, 20 years now. 20 years, yeah. We, at one point, had discussed the idea of throwing a I've known you half my life party, which we never followed it up on. Uh, yeah, that's that's on the to-do list. We haven't done that yet. So should we do it? I've known you like the 75% of my life, kind of uh, like in a... Is that, does that still work as a number? I don't, sure, we can figure I, that. Yeah, we we can do the math, right? We can like, do the math. So the reason I've invited you here uh, not only is because you are a friend of mine, but you also uh, uh, work in tech. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to pick your brain on a bunch of stuff. And then you came up with a really good concept for the Paranormal Section 2. So I'm super excited to talk about that. I, I realize now I'm gesticulating towards you with my hands as if I'm about to, like, strangle you almost. And I'm trying my best not to move my hands <laughs> to make awkward noises throughout this. So, Bruno, uh, I guess, like, let's start at the beginning. Do you remember being conceived? No, let's not start about that. Let us start about your, um, your sort of, like, your beginnings, uh, your history with tech. Like, sort of, like, uh, when you were a kid, like, you had, uh, obviously, you had video game consoles right yes so you had what was your first one um actually the first one i actually played with was my brother's vic 20 whoa okay yeah, that's my, not something we, we hear often yeah here. my my brothers had a vic 20 i remember the cassettes were going into the machine and that's how we were able to play games on it i don't remember much about what games were on there um so okay so let's let's fast forward then what is your first memory of a video game oh first memory of a video game was definitely super mario brothers 3 no oh, nice so, i remember so you had a, a nintendo in the home yes i had okay. nintendo in the home i remember having super mario brothers 3 and just wowed by the game itself just so you were the youngest of three right yes, so uh like you kind of like had like your older brothers influence you a little Absolutely. bit too right so yeah Okay, okay. So, like, moving on forwards uh, from console to computer, do you remember using a computer as a kid in school, out of school? Um, I remember Reader Rabbit in elementary school. I Were you any good at it? I think some of the games I was pretty good at, okay. and some of them I just didn't know what was I was supposed to do in there. Um, the concept of typing at that time was a little bit difficult for me. So, like, but you overcame this, clearly, yeah, because clearly. Uh, you, we, we'll get to this later, actually, yeah. about what you do for a living, sort of. You and I became friends early on in high school. At mm-hmm. that time, uh, you had a, a PC. I had a PC, right? Mm-hmm. So you were never a Mac man like I am? Never. I The only thing I remember Mac-related was once getting a free uh, iPod Shuffle from a bank account I had. And I remember having that as the only Mac-related thing I've ever owned. So, but you had to use a PC to get. Yeah, I had to use a yeah. PC to use it. So, right. no. so like you, you're like we hit puberty, we become <laughs> friends. Um, during that time, like it also at the same time, kind of like at, kind of going on in the tech sphere is like uh, Napster, yeah. uh, uh, P2P sharing, yeah. all these things. So, do you remember like the first MB3 you ever downloaded? Oh my goodness, uh, it was a Kid Rock song. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, funnily yeah. enough, I think my first MP3 was, I think I mentioned this before, was Kid Rock's Cowboy. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but yours, we were trying to figure this out earlier. Yeah. Uh, Kid Rock. Uh, Bawitaba? Ba- right. Yeah, I think that was the first MP3 I ever downloaded. And I remember Napster and trying to get songs, and my hard drive was so small. Do you remember how small it was? Because um, my computer at the time when I started was two gigs. Mostly filled up with like games and things uh, like that. The number 1.2 gigs comes to my mind. Okay. Okay. And yeah, it was really small. I remember being very selective as to what songs I could have in my Napster list to play. <laughs> um, so apart from Kid Rock, like, did you delete 
Bautabah. Uh, I think at one point I got sick and tired of this song, so I did delete it and replaced it with, I don't know, probably a Linkin Park song or right. something. Okay. <laughs> so like like very like like, uh, like hybrid theory, Linkin Park. Yes, exactly. right. okay. the, the, the good album from them, yes. What do you remember about like, and because I've talked about this with other people, and I feel like you're the first person I can really talk about this with, um, message boards. You actually were the introduction to message boards to me, because I never did much with them. And I remember... You actually linked me to an easy board, I believe. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Because that was all the rage because yeah. you could download them for free. You yeah. didn't have to have server space. Yeah, I remember you would just register an account or I guess register the board and go on there and post. And I think what surprised me most was someone who uploaded audio to a post at one point. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, you can do that now on a message board. Right. Um, I never, I, I was never big on message boards. I think... But I do think my my tendency to lurk on the internet started with message boards. Fair enough. Um, so you spent a bit of time on message boards. Like, where were you mostly? Um, I was mostly in, uh, I guess, I guess on instant messengers a lot. I okay. remember um, ICQ oh, quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, there was this option of just randomly finding someone to talk to. I remember playing with that a few times. Um, and just getting to know people one way or another through MSN mostly. Right. But I, I do have to quickly mention here, you were like my patron saint of, of things. And I'll explain why. Uh, I only got out of the dial up game, like well into college. Oh, wow. Right. But you used to log on to AL messenger for me and let me just like download stuff off your server. I remember that. Yeah. I would, or you would request certain things yeah. from me yeah. and I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll just send it to you for, just let me know where the link is or what it is. And I would send it to you <laughs> and seeing that long oh, crawl across. Yeah. You were really a, a savior. And also the funny thing is you were the person who introduced me to speed running. Really? What Do you, was... you handed me a CDR with WMV files that oh, I think were, were TASs. But I, I, I still have it on my parents, I think. But you literally were like, you need to check this out. And then this was like 2001, 2002. Oh and you literally, goodness. there were probably like seven on there, including like a, a perfect quote unquote run of like Mario Brothers. And you were like, I know you're going to love this. I, if, if it's, I'm trying to remember. I remember finding a video of like at that time, the perfect Super Mario Brothers three run, or at least the fastest one in the world. Yeah. And I remember like one, I think I remember showing it to you or at least I, I'm trying to remember that CD I gave you. Yeah. Cause you give me, and there's yeah. a bunch of runs on there. So yeah, I gave like, you a bunch of them. You were the reason why I, <laughs> I still obsess over a lot of you, these things. You, you, you ponder over the things on Twitch and seeing people try to get world records now. Like all these attempts, right? These yeah. like sad men and women <laughs> who are playing games that like no one cares about, right? They're not sad. That's part of their, their interest. That's... I'm not going to name names, but there are certain streamers that like I'll be, cause I get home earlier than my fiance and like, she'll be like, Oh, are you doing like a wellness check? Are you making sure they're not like suicidal? <laughs> because there's certain ones who like whose viewership has has dipped yeah, as, they, yeah. as they've chosen like a very esoteric game to run. Yeah. Um, so it's always funny for her to come home and like be like, oh, he is or he or she is still alive and well. This is great. Um, I've done. I haven't watched many speed runs lately, but I have read some documents of how people have been trying to improve. Right, and a lot of them are like tool sister. Runs yeah, tool, and, they're they're, they're and um, playing to them. Yeah, it's basically you're just writing the the, the code inside of the tool to. Run the game really right. fast, but then I've seen Twitch streamers. What they do is they put the the ta- 
pass yeah. um, in the corner, and yeah. they'll like they'll play to it. Oh wow! In I order to teach that. themselves, yeah, it's very interesting. I've I've watched very little Twitch. The most I've done of Twitch has been ROM hacks. Mm. I've been watching a lot of um, super incredibly hard Super Mario World ROM like hacks. Kaizo style. Yeah, Kaizo yeah. style, and I'm just kind of like I would never play this game, but <laughs> it's very entertaining to watch. So it's kind of funny you say that because sometimes I'll watch a Kaizo hack, and it's funny uh, this one streamer I watched, Grand Pooper, was saying that like if you are not enjoying it when you're making a ROM hack, then chances are the people playing it won't either. Mm-hmm. And some of these are incredibly frustrating, right? Because they are very precise movements mm-hmm. to make. And a lot of the time when you're watching something, you're kind of like, this this doesn't seem fun yeah. to me. <laughs> no, I, I like the ones that almost look like Mario's doing a dance yes. across the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. Um, I do know for Super Mario Maker, you weren't actually able to upload a, a level unless you were able to beat right. it. Yeah. And... I kind of wish that was the same requirement on some of these hacks I see because it's like oh hack censorship interesting a hack well I mean <laughs> who wants who wants to play a game that's way too hard oh, for or sure for sure essentially impossible to beat. for sure um, it's really funny I don't know if you've seen this but this one streamer Phil Stream he actually spent something like 500 hours trying to beat a level he created in order for it to end up on Mario Maker oh my and goodness. I was with uh, some friends of ours Josh and, and Tony one Friday night at uh, out in the country and it was the night that Failstream had beaten it and like everyone in chat was like going nuts and it was such an achievement but it's it's so sad that the like to the average person this sounds completely insane I guess it depends on the definition of an average person but everybody loves the story of someone overcoming an obstacle even if it's that, that one is, of their own creation no, 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 you know? right. that's very true actually so uh, coming back to sort of like a, a teen activities we used to undertake uh, irc which is oh my goodness like yeah. fnet dalnet yeah like, yeah i remember that yeah randomly finding a channel and seeing what people are talking about there right um, were you were we on the dalnet montreal room at the same time i don't think so because I, I i met someone on there that yeah. you also met at one point and I wonder where she is now. And I don't want to name names because I don't actually remember her legal name. Oh, um, I think I know who you're talking about, too. That's yeah, wow. Yeah. Man, that nostalgia trip. I know. Wow. <laughs> this is you, Bruno's eyes are like saucers right now. I'm bringing things up that I've only thought in passing over the last like couple of years. But now that I'm here with you. And uh, yeah, I had to be recorded for all of yeah. this. <laughs> wow. No. Wow. Yeah. Man. Anyway, so it just, it's very interesting the way in which like you and I kind of like ventured out into IRL territory yeah. uh, somewhat early. Like I met my first long-term girlfriend on aim yeah uh you and i double dated the well not really double dated it was just a friend hangout i guess yeah, the friend first time hangout, yeah. we went to go see ghost world oh my goodness yeah i remember that movie yeah 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 uh a lot of memories are now flooding back to me as i stare into bruno's saucer like eyes um, first time you see me this year so <laughs> it's only february by the way happy new year happy new year, happy new year yeah <laughs> we forgot that at the beginning uh happy uh chinese new year too chinese new year yeah, yeah. um yeah. happy belated birthday oh well happy belated birthday uh, to you thanks too. dude see, thanks dude uh, we're just clearing the dot you, you know here. just getting it all cobwebs all out right <laughs> So uh, this goes on throughout your teen years. We go to high school together. Yeah. We go to stage together, different programs, and yeah. you decide to enter into computer science. Um, yeah. So originally, actually, when I was talking to my dad about things to do for my life, he actually suggested accounting for me. I could sort of see that. And I thought, I don't want to... Pick your words carefully. My father's an accountant. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, I didn't also, want... Also, he's, he's like, you're one of the few people he always asks about, which I find very oh, cute. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, I told him you were dead. I, I, <laughs> no, I know. Oh, man. Um, I didn't want to do that as my career because I didn't think I had the right mind for it. All the numbers, all the math in there. And I thought, no, I don't want that. And I had a bit of a 
a bit of i had definitely an interest in computers mm-hmm. uh from from a child i mm-hmm. mean i i was in originally i was thinking hey i could do something with video games that's in programming i can you know make the next super mario who knows then i learned about the long crazy hours in 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 video game design so i thought nope that's not for me but i still um was interested in computers and i thought that's definitely something i could be good at and so i went into computer science in well for the people not in Quebec, the uh, equivalent to like a junior pre- college, junior yeah. college, yeah, That's what we call it, yeah. Um, and yeah, I studied computer science there for three years. And then, so usually in CHF you stay two, but in your program you yeah, stayed three. three. Yeah. Did you do a, like? A, did you do an internship? I actually did an internship. The internship for, for seven weeks, and the main thing I learned in there is that I did not want to work at that point in my <laughs> life. I am not ready for the workforce right now. I am ready to do more schooling. So in hindsight, like the only thing that you learned was that you were just not ready to step into that. Moment. Not ready to, at that point. No. Fair enough. And so then like you go to university, mm-hmm. you go. Um, so you are in another computer science degree, uh, yeah. program. Uh, in the midst of that, I work at a newspaper with right. you. So we worked at a, as one of my favorite Bruno memories is Bruno ended up with the nickname two gigs because he was the web editor. But on Monday nights during production, he also would um, often venture out to get food for everyone because we had to step in for food. And suddenly he, his one gig turned into uh, two gigs and sometimes three gigs. Depending three, gigs. On what we I remember the three gigs era was a very interesting era. Uh, it's kind of weird. It makes it sound like some kind of superhero. Yeah. I've, I did superhero things. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, so you graduate, you enter into the workforce, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah. I want to talk about how uh, you're a tech man who's not really uh, on social media. Oh, my goodness. Right, right from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I have to. Uh, I have, have to. to. Have to. Yeah, I do not have Twitter. I do not have Instagram. I. The only reason I have a Facebook is because of you. Well, um, no. Yes. Well, you could, you could close it at any time, my friend. I'm well, okay. No, no, no. The reason I, I originally opened it right. was, and I tell everybody this story. Is that you started to put a bunch of events on Facebook like 12 years ago or whenever you were doing this. And you're like, Bruno, the information's on Facebook. And I'd be like, I can't look at it. Well, make an account. Okay, fine. And I made an account. And I was actually able to see these events you were organizing. Your profile doesn't even have a, like a profile picture. I, th- I think it does. Does it? I don't think I, it does. I, it's like one of those stereotypical, like, I'm staring up at the camera with... I don't believe that You at don't all. believe that? No. Is that my MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just all slowly blurring in your it's mind. All blurring, yeah. I don't even think. But you're you're not on Twitter. You're not on Instagram. No. Uh, Mastodon. What the heck is Mastodon? It's a social media network. Really? Yeah. Like, is that like Pillow Fort? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Um, interesting to know. Okay, so uh, but, so you basically right now, why do you have a Facebook profile then? Um, I just haven't actually shut down. I also join us. 2019. Me and, me and 2019, Angelo. Uh, I I like. I, I like that it says that I'm married to my wife on there. I, I, mean, get, yeah, I guess she appreciates that's, that. That's, that's a nice thing. Because I feel like she probably has like a little more of a, an active profile yeah, than you yeah. do. That's, is, is there like a general disinterest in like communicating in that way? Is that what it is? Um, I had my fill of internet communication back when I was in in, in high school, even CJEP. Right. I feel if I don't feel as attached to try to communicate with people through any form of social media honestly right compared to face-to-face yeah. or do you want to some... read out your phone number then in that case for anyone um who wants you? <laughs> no <laughs> to anyone who wants bruno's phone number by all means twitter dm me brian hasty <laughs> all one word <laughs> uh so like do you feel like you've cut yourself off from certain people because of that i think i i probably cut myself off a lot from people who knew me from either past classes together or past 
like different companies and only um do you want to tell about your recent story about that actually well randomly in the street i ran into someone that i haven't met for 13 years wow yeah um i think it's 13 i'll, I'll say 13 because that's a good number <laughs> it's, it's, it's um, amazing. But yeah um the, she tried to contact me through uh my email address and she's like I'm like, which email address? And she starts listing one off. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's my high school email address. I don't use wow. it anymore. Wow. And so. Bruno Demand 6969. 69, yeah, 69. cool guy, 3000 <laughs> something. I don't know. But yeah, I was just like, wow, this is a chance encounter. And I feel that left a huge impact on me, just of, you know, serendipity or what you want to of call course. it. Compared to, oh, you search for some person's name on, on Facebook and right. go from there. One of, the, oh. so I, I, one of the, the things to conjecturalize this is that you were telling me that she had was like moving away from a certain position. And so she wouldn't have been in the area you would have yeah, seen yeah, her the next would, week. Yeah, yeah. So she, was re- she ended up having another job opportunity not to uh, the, the next week, actually. So I think she is moving away from where I was at that point. Okay. Which... You know, shocking. So for sure, it is, is it, it is a bit serendipitous, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. It's kind of weird in that, like, in this age in which we're all so connected, we're also very disconnected at the same mm-hmm. time. And that's one of the reasons why I got rid of Facebook, right? It's because I just, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just I've, tired. I've heard so many stories of people just pretending, if that's the best word to use on Facebook or right. it's, any, it's, it's performative. Yeah. You're, you know, it's, it's about showing your, your best life on social media. Yeah. Well, your what, curated life, right? Yeah. Curated life, even better. And you, who wants that? Who some, wants some people, I mean like the, the whole notion of like clout chasing, right? The idea that you're out there trying to get famous based on this perceived version of yourself, right? And that, that is a thing like Instagram, YouTube influencers. That's a, that's a whole arena that you enter. I, I guess I'm, I don't get the idea of celebrity status that someone would want. Right. I don't, well, we shifted away from like a model where um, someone was a celebrity due to X, Y, Z versus mm. uh, you are a celebrity because you are, period, yeah. right? I mean, there's this whole notion of being you know, an influencer or something like that on all these different platforms, wherever they would be. But I just feel that that just adds pressure to people. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, I mean, and like studies have shown like uh, there's greater... Um, uh, amounts of depression in people who feel certain ways about social media, who buy into the idea of influencer culture, who buy into um, the perception of lives, like f- the fear of missing out. FOMO is much FOMO, larger yeah. now, right? Um, I've, you know, I've read, I wish I linked you to the article. I didn't know we're going this direction, but I read articles where people who leave social media are just in better mental health. And that's kind of where I'm going, right? Because yeah. I, was, I, was, I made you laugh before I called Twitter a hate machine, but sometimes it can be. Um, I, well, I remember the Penny Arcade um, comic where it's like anonymity and, you know, regular person ends up, you know, probably a word I shouldn't say on your, your podcast. <laughs> Please don't. Right? Yeah, we're family friendly here. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so much. <laughs> Share this with your uh, your uh, siblings, your loved ones, everyone, Bruno. Oh, fantastic! I can't wait for you to start your email campaign. Oh my goodness! But yeah, coming back to to the idea of like uh, celebrity culture, people being much happier. I do agree with that, right? But the thing, the worst thing now is that um, Facebook comments are actually attached to like real life names, right? Like it's yeah. it's not even anonymous anymore. Even Google Plus, you know. <laughs> 
did, is that where your friend tried to contact you? She hit you oh up on Google goodness. Plus. Yeah, my Google Plus answer. account. Whoops. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of like this really weird space to be in, and I kind of reflect on it a lot because partly, like, I work in marketing, right? Yeah. So some of the idea of of that does come up a lot of the time too. And we talk about this openly in the office about you know like um, curated lives and how that, that kind of like uh, uh, diminishes your own self worth in certain ways. I mean, if I, you buy into it, I understand it for businesses. You know, you want your your brand out there for sure in 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 cyberspace but well as they love to say like joining the conversation yeah yeah joining the conversation um but uh for me not for me i i left facebook before it was cool to lift leave the facebook so. <laughs> but you haven't though because you still have an account i am okay i'm okay active usage active usage let's of go facebook that. there we go even better <laughs> lurking so, uh, we're like 20 minutes into this podcast and we haven't even gotten to the main meat of the because <laughs> i'm just that interesting aren't i <laughs> um i i don't know if you and i type this in the show notes i don't really care but we're gonna talk about bruno's fly tech lifestyle <laughs> Um, so what do you do for a living? Let's I am a programmer. Okay. So um, what does that mean? Uh, that means I sit at a computer and I make sure that the application, the program I have in front of me is still working by the time I get out of my seat. <laughs> um, I, I generally um, just, in the language I work in, I, I write programs for the company I work for. Okay. Let's leave it at that because yeah. you've signed NDAs yeah, and we yeah, can't necessarily yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. a lot of the particulars because... Mm-hmm. While I'm interested in some of it, I feel like a lot of the high-level stuff that you and I talk about even um, with your NDA in place yeah. are very, very interesting to me because I am not in that space, right? I'm yeah. more of a quote-unquote like creative type, yeah. and we've discussed this, you and I. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, uh, what, is it, what does programming look like in 2019 to you? It is a... I, I guess it, we should qualify that, yeah. right? Like, let's just say like application programming. Yeah, because you have different world of programming i i would say it's a very mixed um environment right you have you have legacy environments the legacy software and legacy maintenance of software and then you have um basically the cutting edge of stuff right like we were talking about before recorded like ar vr yeah um who knows what else is who else who else we will uh we'll what other tech will steal from aliens bruno's working that blockchain obviously (laughs) so (laughs) how's your crypto doing my what how's your crypto doing I, I, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about So it. you and I have had this running joke for uh, decades now, literally, where uh, you and I are going to start Bruno and Brian Corps. Yes, exactly. We're always in R&D. <laughs> always in R&D. <laughs> Just come join us. Yeah. And so now, like, crypto has, has was hot, is cooler now. Uh, does Bruno and Brian Corps go back to crypto? Um, I, I think that's always an option. You know, that's <laughs> we, a good... You should never close the door. Never close the door on crypto, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so you are uh, someone who does application development. Do you do, like, uh, user experience stuff, too? Like, like... Uh, I've... Well, in my... In one of my, in one of my jobs, I, I did server-side. Okay. Which was really interesting. Right. Um, in that environment, it was much harder for me to get instant feedback on what I was doing because right. when you're doing UI stuff, you click a button, you get a reaction right, right away. Someone sits down in front of something, they yeah. can tell you whether or not they like yeah. it very quickly. With, with server-side, you're just kind of like seeing what the machine will do. Right. Um, but yeah, I have done a lot more UI uh, work lately, Okay. which I actually appreciate a lot more because I feel that's... It's a lot more hands-on, okay. and I, I can immediately see a reaction. Well, right. I can either the, interact quickly with... The feedback loop the is feedback much more... The feedback is yeah. much better for that. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, what about... So let's, let's kind of like fork this out, right? So what do you love most about what you do? I would say um, creativity in a way. Okay. That I, 
I have a bit of leeway as far as how things are, or how things can work in there. It's it's always interesting to see what's already there and see if I can how I can improve what's there. You right. know, you have a right. piece of code that's running, you know, let's say it takes do uh, you think it takes twice as long as it should be and you figure out some way in there to make it go faster right. or better or doesn't crash when, you know, someone puts a zero where right. a zero's not supposed to be. I guess sometimes and and I I'm going to try and pick my words carefully here. Yeah. Uh, not me, but other people who um, sort of like have a, a bit of a passing knowledge of this. Um, they feel like code is inflexible, right? And the idea is that like you are just an automaton when really it's not the case because code can be elegant. Code can be, you know, succinct as you're saying, right? So there's, there's ways in which you get to where you want to get. And that is your signature as a programmer. Um, there are always best practices. There's always the best way to do something, but there is always an element of creativity with programming. For sure. Um, you're basically taking building blocks and putting them together. Um, in, a weird way, it's almost like Lego. Lego, yeah, I, have, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. You, you have your pieces; they're all pieces that. Right. It's you, like how do you build a pirate ship? Yeah, yeah, you know, and the box is filled with as many yeah. pieces as you want. Right? And everybody will look at it differently how they want to build it. Right. And the ideal situation is that you build it in such a way that it runs, uh, runs properly and runs quickly. Right. Um, so, uh, given that, like, what makes in your eyes a good programmer? The big thing in my mind is a willingness to learn. Okay. You you can't you can't be a programmer, especially not in this day and age, without some willingness some willingness, a lot of willingness to learn what's what's either there in your field and you expand on it mm-hmm. or what's coming into your field. Or different different fields altogether within the sphere of tech in some way. Right. Cut. Because changes changes happen fast. Yeah. I mean, we're just on the 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 edge of the whole VR thing happening here, and that's that's something that's on my mind. Like five five years ago, I was wondering what's going to happen on the web, and the web's here, and it's right. available everywhere. Next like thing, the concept of machine learning, things like yeah. that, right? Like how to, like in parallel to VR, AR, yeah. uh, AI. Like yeah. it's such a nebulous term yeah. because there's so many different applications for it too. Right? Uh, same thing with cloud cloud stuff. It, <laughs> it gets it gets really muddy when you start to figure out how the right. you know it works on my machine. How am I going to work on the cloud, which is very nebulous. So conversely, though, uh, one place in which people can make a lot of money in theory is legacy uh, programs. And we've been talking about of this course, in legacy yeah. um, languages. Uh, like you and I were joking about, you know, when the Y2K scare happened, yeah. they had to like scare up a bunch of COBOL programmers because mm-hmm. a lot of the different utilities were there. And I'd link you to a Bloomberg piece that we'll put in the show notes all about how America's cities are running on software from the 1980s. <laughs> well, I like the adage, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix right. it. But the so the article starts off and kind of describes in an environment where this program is like created in the mid eighties, um, you didn't have a mouse. Uh, there were often errors because you had to jump through different menus in order to get where you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, there were miscalculations and things like that because no one is able to update this. And the cost, um, as time continues is much larger, um, as you dart through mm-hmm. time in order to update these, these systems, right? Yeah. It's, it's so big, if you yeah. could, if you could tell like a recent grad something like go learn COBOL, right? <laughs> well, okay, so there, there's a problem, right? Because it's not just learn COBOL; it's also to learn how this program was built. Right there, there is, you know, it's it's akin to um, getting into the in getting a manuscript from a, uh, an author, right. and you have to finish the story, or you have to flesh it out, or whatnot. Right. Um, you don't know what that original person had in mind, or you know, depending right. on if the person's still at the company. Right. Or if what kind of documentation there what, is? Because often oh, there's none, right? And that's, yes. that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem as well. Are, um, are you one of those people who leaves a lot of comments in their code? I try to meet, leave... Um, Do you like... <laughs> winky faces? 
if there's a piece of code that is very particular and I feel it needs some comments, I'll put it in there. Do okay, I, cool. Do I, do I comment every function and every <laughs> class saying, you know, this, you know, this is a class that does calculations. No, I'm, Bruno. I'm not. Just you sign every <laughs> bit to you like Bruno. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, comments are important, but just specifications man right that's 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 what a real meat and potatoes are if you need to know what was designed for these applications so in my mind it's not so much what language it's in uh language is language you have peculiars of every single one the problem with COBOL is that it's so old every nicety you have in every other language is almost gone and you have to work with really simple instructions of course and one of the big things too kind of coming back to the article though is uh People often don't want to commit to change until some yeah. drastic money, like destroying eleventh right? hour. Oh, we got to change this yeah, now. Exactly, type yeah, exactly. That or twelfth hour. Like the system oh, was yeah. in place for thirty years and it suddenly broke. Yeah. What do we do? We yeah. like we need like this is a day to day thing, right? Um, um, and that, and it, and that's kind of like the weird way in which bureaucracy works. It only springs into action when it's needed, but when mm-hmm. it does, it kind of it becomes very actionable very quickly. Or else it's like that's ah, you know as you're saying like it's not broken. Why do we yeah. want to fix it? Um, and also, um, another catalyst for that would be hardware failure. Oh, that's a good yeah, point too. If, yeah. uh, whatever this thing is running on breaks because of hardware and, you know, software is one thing. It could be as old as you want, but if that hardware fails, there might be no replacement, available yeah. replacement like, for you're it. You're not keeping a stock room filled with like old discs and like... <laughs> Some places do that. They, really? they, they would keep old hardware in order really? to, just in case. But I that's, a, that's so that. finite though. Oh, well... It seems almost counterproductive, this weird thing of like the, the convergence of like tech, but also like a physical kind of medium that you need to use. That's like, there's two parts to it, man. You can't have software running off of nothing. You need the hardware true, behind yeah. it too. That's very true actually. Yeah. But yeah, this, this idea that like you, <laughs> you need to like bunker out some these pieces. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. And, and like, and I get that there's a cost involved and I get that yeah. like people hate change. Fundamentally, yeah. you and I can both agree people hate change, right? Well, it's not just that, right? Um, these applications have been running for 30 years. That means they've been tested for 30 years. Right. You come in with your latest, I don't know, Java application in Which there. Which we'll get to in a bit, yeah. You know, and you, you put it in there and you're like, yeah, it works. Well, can, have you tested everything? Have you done this? How, you know, how it's going there? It's, you're, you're, you're up against a mountain right. of an application, not just, right. and yeah, user, users being used to, certain application how certain things are even if they are frustrating they get used to it for sure because they have to right because it's their job well it's just like when the big switch over happened from typers to computers a lot of people were griping about that but look where we are now like 30-ish years later let's say right because like what PC adoption really happened in enterprises Mm -hmm. in the 80s so like let's fast forward but yeah it's such a weird dichotomy to me that like I on the one hand like I understand it like change is hard and also like as you're saying, like everything's been tested out. We know there are no bugs yeah. theoretically. Right. Yeah. Whereas like taking something quote unquote out of the box and out of the lot of the time, like it's not, uh, is it like the, you'd prefer the, the devil, you know, compared to the devil right. you don't know right. type of thing. Yeah. Um, coming back to, uh, the other fork in the road, what is the worst thing about being a programmer to you? Um, or rather like, sorry, like yeah. uh, the worst thing about being a programmer in 2019, let's start with that because thing... you and I were talking about different mindsets, like 15, 20 years ago when yeah. there's one set of, of different programming languages and now yeah. it's kind of like the wild west still. Yeah. I would say the, 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 the worst, not so much the actual, you know, seeing a computer typing or it's just the variety that's out there and the complexity right. of becoming a programmer in, in 2019. Um, so like just you're so not envious of like a recent grad? Um, yeah, I'm not 
I'm not really that envious of someone who's just getting into the programming uh, environment, especially if they're going into web programming, right. which is the big thing now. Everybody wants uh, developers who are can do things on the web, and your choices are growing day <laughs> by day by day. And not only choices, but like what corporations and companies yeah. and outlets are looking for changes day to day to day, right? Yeah. And you're always just chasing the next kind of uh, big thing yeah. if you are looking to sort of like move around, right? Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen uh, situations where languages where I thought they were dead or not being used anymore get a resurgence. PHP is one of them. <laughs> I I thought that that was gone, and it comes back, and it's we, we have vengeance. Right. It's all over the place. Yeah. So um, you linked me to a Hacker Noon article yeah. called <laughs> "How It Feels to Learn JavaScript" in 2016. But the funny thing is, as we are now in 2019, it's still just as prevalent because, yeah. as you're saying, like JavaScript was a language that kind of lay dormant in the late 2000s, yeah. let's say, right? And then like it bounded back out. And the last job I worked with, our web devs were all doing JavaScript. Yeah, um, yeah I remember. Uh, a few few years ago, um, looking for articles on okay, where's what's where's the world going in with 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 programming and whatever else? And I found this article, and it was eye opening because I did not know anything about. Well, I knew some things about web programming and JavaScript, but this was one of the first articles I found where it was like, oh wow, so this is this is what it is now. It's 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 library on top of library on top of library. So what is a library? Let's start with that. okay. Like, so, so like because. I know what it is. Mm. Um, a lot of relations might, but like to John okay. Q Public. No, um, I would say ninety nine percent of programmers don't start with the base. Sorry, start with the base of um, code. They don't start straight with JavaScript and start working from there. They get uh, code written by other programmers, either from a big corporation or from Any random, anyone, anybody or, yeah. else out there. And they Places use like their, GitHub, for example. GitHub, right. yes, exactly. And they start working with that code. And yeah, there, there are certain pieces that are available for licenses or whatever license in there. But you work with their code, these libraries, in order to do things that you would want. So they're shortcuts, basically. Shortcuts. So my question to you is, like, how do you rate a good shortcut in this environment? Uh, simplicity. Right. Simplicity is very important. Um, and... Usability compared to other, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, are these libraries like peer reviewed? Like, how does that work? Um, I will be honest. I I I know the open source ones. They have plenty of um, people you're looking at using mm-hmm. it. Whatever else, as far as any sort of peer review, it's just people. In right. Some, way. some some of them have corporate backings. So you are so no matter what, you're kind of taking a chance on code. Uh, you, well, you're trusting what, what's in these libraries. Right. So you're trusting like another programmer yeah. uh, to uphold their word <laughs> when they say this is what yeah. it's supposed to do. Yes, exactly. And so a majority of the time though, like obviously it's not a problem. It's not, it's not a problem. And a lot of them have been used by uh, numerous companies, numerous people right. uh, with no issues. Right. So there's like a, a trusted history there. Yes, right? Okay. Exactly. So um, you, these, so in order to start programming JavaScript, you reference libraries. Yes, exactly. Um, but then these libraries are growing. They have mm-hmm. different functions. Like there's kind of a complexity that grows there too, because there's no, as you're kind of pointing to, there's no one standard. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of is out there. Nebulous exists. Um, well, it does exist and usually ends up being, I think the general idea is that you would Google search for what you're looking for. Right. You need to, I don't know, show a, an image gallery of some sort. You search GitHub or a good Google search to try to find a library that would allow that for you. Right. 
Presumably, presumably hopefully for cheap. For cheap. For, free. Right. for cheap or for free. Yeah. Right. Well, especially if you're like, even if you're for profit, yeah. like you don't necessarily have like a library budget right <laughs> off the bat, right? So, uh, stock stock image. For, <laughs> it's some 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 people have would have budget budget for that sort of thing, right? right? No, for sure. But I mean, like by and large, like yeah. your bosses and like you have three thousand dollars to go get a library. Like no, <laughs> like that's not how it works. So you you go out there, you grab um, uh, code from libraries, you dump it in somewhere, and then you, you kind of have to teach the computer like, and the example in the hacker news article is really good like you just want to take some user info and like post it online yeah. on the web right but then it becomes this like really convoluted thing so can you as briefly as oh, possible wow. try to walk us through how that works um well the interesting thing that i remember from the article is they would talk also about repositories of different um where some of these are available yeah so that actually can take some of that difficulty out in the sense of okay you need something you, you recommend i think Generally now it's NPM or a few other ones uh, to find out what you want, but it's it's very it's very difficult to start from scratch with things. There's a lot of planning and mm-hmm. figuring out architecture and seeing what's out there. Mm-hmm. There are templates out there to work with. Right. Um, there are certain standards that people um, to work with in right. that sense. Um, but yeah, it's. If if that was the case, it's basically just mixing and matching and see what works. Right. And, and trying to like cut out as many steps as possible. But as the Hacker Noon article, which I sort of encourage people to read, but yeah. I also just it gets very frustrating, yeah, right? It, and and this and you're saying like this is sort of a reality that a lot of programmers yeah. deal with because they have to jump through all these uh kind of like uh flaming hoops <laughs> in yeah. order to good get, way of putting it um yeah. uh, to what they need when really concretely it should just be, you know, a couple of steps. It's it's a completely different environment than what I'm used to in the sense of if you're working from a Java environment or a .NET environment, much of what you need. Right. So what's the difference so, between the two? Well, the difference between them is that, well, for .NET, it's, it's Microsoft and for Java, it's um, Sun slash Oracle. Right. Shout out to Sun Systems yeah, or whoever yeah, owns them now. Like that. Um, and they release the, um, the entire set, well, most of what you need in there. Right. And the, tools that you need outside of that are very limited. Right. You know, if you needed um, a certain uh, user interface elements, it would be available in there in mm-hmm. some way or another. Um, I find with uh, JavaScript does have some libraries, but they're not as exhaustive okay. as .NET or Java in that sense. So my question to you then is... Uh, <laughs> dead language becomes alive again. How does this kind of thing happen, do you think? Um, well, with JavaScript, I think it was just out of necessity. JavaScript's running in the browser. There's no other language that ever, well, that ever, that does work as well as it does in JavaScript in, uh, in the web browser. Right. And that's what comes in. And um, as far as other languages, they're... I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely like situational reasons for a lot of them. But I'm just yeah. curious, in, like, in your mind, like why do like, they appear like zombies that are just immortal, that just kind of like live on for various reasons um i i think it's just um would it be wrong to say it's just the uh, mentality of people just moving in that direction the big corporation uses a certain and then it just catches on just catches on right okay no that's that's the thing is like i i'm i'm ignorant of a lot of like the corporate facing stuff right so like to me as a as someone who's like outside of this who who appreciates a good tech story like i it's kind of like this weird thing where like different researchers has happened but they don't seem to have like really good reasons other than like you were saying like the uh, corporate culture uses it and like they're uh, they're a market leader and suddenly like there's all these adopters who come racing back to to a language you know sometimes 10 12 years afterwards 
Um, and that's what happens with certain libraries as well. Uh, React was big. I believe Facebook developed it and it came yes. like everywhere. <laughs> um, but it just, it's just the backing behind certain things. Right. So the idea is like corporate influence is alive yeah. and well in a lot of these different kinds of uh, decisions, right? Yeah. So uh, apart from that, like what is, so we, we've done the good, we've done the bad. Like uh, what keeps you going as a programmer? Apart from like you're saying like the artistic touch that you enjoy, yeah. like like what like when you wake up in the morning and you're like I'm gonna go to work, like what sort of like uh, invigorates you? Um, challenges. To, well, I, I guess like yeah, yeah, I guess like programming is a series yeah, of challenges because you're going from A to B, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, every day there's a new something new to tackle as far as what to overcome. Either it's a problem that I know in my head that I'm going to do, or there's a random thing that comes up that I need to to fix, and I feel a great sense of accomplishment overcoming right. these obstacles it's right. it's what i live for for that right. you know <laughs> no no, no that's, that's, a, that's a totally fair assumption and that's a really good way of sort of phrasing it like um the funny thing about i i guess like in programming it's a little more apparent of like problem solving when you're going yeah. from a to b whereas a lot of other jobs it's kind of esoteric like you know like people who uh uh work in certain jobs it's not easily explainable like why like what do you do what you do and why do yeah. you do it right whereas yeah. this i feel it's kind of like well here's a set of goals i need to accomplish yeah, so, i need the user to use my program yeah. and how do i get there right yeah. and, and they, it sounds kind of daunting though sometimes yeah it is it is daunting sometimes especially when um I think the most daunting ones when things go wrong. Like right. we, we put in these numbers in here and it's, it crashes. Oh, well, why? And right. it, depending on how far the rabbit hole goes, it could, <laughs> it could be quite difficult to figure out why does this set of instruction cause this main problem. Of course. Right? Of course. And I feel like that's uh so there's like, there's like good goals to set out and like, there's like bad goals to set out. Right? So, um, uh, QAing and trying to fix yeah, things, um, exactly. kind of like the, not necessarily like the bad set, but sort of like the, the least wanted, <laughs> like you want to prevent these before yeah, they go of to, course, of course. to a, a trusted set of users too. Right. Mm -hmm. Any last words about being a programmer? Um, like, do you, do you want to tell the kids to do it? Um, if you feel Which, hold on, hold on, hold on. kids, listen to what he has to say, do this. If you feel called to be a programmer, I, I, I believe you should do it. Right. Um, but it's, it's not an easy road right. and it's a, it's a lifelong learning experience. You're right. never going to stop learning and you're going to have to not just know what's coming up, but you have to know what's coming up after what's coming up so you can prepare. Oh, for that um, and that's very quickly just to kind of cap things off. That's something you and I talked about. Whereas like back in the day you used to learn a different set of languages and you were kind of set for a while. Right. Yeah. Whereas now it's you, it's, your ability to adapt and yeah, to learn is the skill set. It's not the languages themselves, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the pivot that's happened over the last, like, what, like, like, uh, generation, let's say? Yeah, let's say? generation, let's say, yeah. Right. Because I feel like it's a very interesting problem and it's kind of a shift in the way people need to think about um, computer programming and, like, if you want to enter the domain, like, how that works, yeah, right? So it's the idea of, like, if you love to learn, mm -hmm. programming is kind of where it's at, right? Yeah, of course. For now, I'm going to see you on the paranormal side right, of things. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. What's this? Kids with a cellular phone? Introducing Amigo from Cantel. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Double density. Hey folks, just want to take a quick moment to shout out our sponsor this week, ReportYourSighting.com. The Brant Collective, the brains behind Report Your Sighting, want to create the most immersive database of UFO and UAP sightings in the world. They're still in the data collection phase right now, but they'll soon be opening their doors to allow you to report your own sighting right on their website. Hit up reportyoursighting.com for more. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first thing you want to talk about, Bruno, is the fact that you almost got locked in for good in my bathroom. You have the worst door I've had experience trying to get out of a washroom before in my life. You're just not good at turning knobs. I'm okay with knobs. It's just something wrong with that knob. So, Bruno, when we first talked about um, doing an episode together, uh, you and I share many different interests, right? You'd agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, both tech and paranormal and everything in between. Yeah, to a certain, to a, uh, not quite as a uh, degree as you do with certain topics, but yes, of course. <laughs> um, uh, you're also my favorite smark. Yes, I am. I am a, uh, as what they would call a smark. So the nice thing about you is that uh, when I was putting together an episode, it was really easy because you wanted to talk about wrestling curses. Of course. Because of the fact that WrestleMania is a couple of weeks away, uh, you pitched me this idea and my, like, the little classic light bulb went on. Of course. Uh, quickly uh, uh, elbowed uh you know um, very expertly by a wrestler but it still went on yes uh, you got clotheslined into this brian right <laughs> um because i we are in wrestlemania season i've um been a wrestling fan for since i was a little kid i've just been going up and down is it because uh so initially was it because your older brothers yeah well, well okay. it rest, professional wrestling was kind of like a family thing you know you have family like, like the Vashon family <laughs> no the, not, not like the that. foundation going not on exactly like that but um some families you know they they have their favorite sports team and they go watch their the certain uh you know sports on tv where we just watch wrestling together as a family even your mom uh even my mom my mom would yell at tv whenever who'd she yell at um, usually the, the heels, the bad guys, when they do heelish things, you're like, no, no, no. Did, were you, did, I can't remember if you were there. We went to go see the Fédération du Québec, so the Quebec Wrestling Federation, yeah. like in, in a church basement yeah. in East End, Montreal. Yeah. And do you remember there was an old lady who would step up to the ring and yell at the heels, but if the action left the ring, she would dart. Yeah, I remember to, that. To the back of the I, I went to a few uh, independent wrestling events with you, and do you remember the time I actually got into the ring? Yes. Yes. Do you want to tell it uh, very quickly? Yeah, I, very, I, quick, I, yeah. very quickly. Um, I knew one of the wrestlers in the Federation, <clears throat> and he comes up to me earlier in the night, and he's like, um, hey, nice to see you there. I'm going to be, my, my friend was going to be involved in uh, just a little event in the middle of the, the ring, and uh, about 10 minutes later, he comes up to me again, he's like, okay. Um, the person from the audience had to leave. Uh, can you be <laughs> involved in this? And I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? And he's like, just come into the ring uh, in the middle when we're taking photos and I'm and ask ask for me. And right. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. I didn't tell you, Brian, about this or anybody else. No, this is the best. So um, I, when the time happened and I got the signal to go up, I went up into the line. I got into the ring. Um, it was actually interesting being in a wrestling ring. And, was that uh, your first time there? It was the first time I ever was in the wrestling ring. Dude, right. Those ropes are actually surprisingly tight. I was literally about to say, like, did you like touch the, the ropes, You the tension yeah, on there? Yeah, I touched the ropes, and I gave them a little bit of a tug of attention. I'm like, right. that is a lot tighter than I thought they'd right. be. Um, the ring was stable. Like, it wasn't like, I've. it's not trampoline, that's right. for there's, sure. There's not a lot of give. There's there. not a lot of give, but I'm, you know, they have ways of keeping it safe. Um, so I go in there and I talk, you know, I, I act like I'm about to take a photo with my friend and just out of nowhere, him and another guy just start being each other up in front of me. <laughs> and I was shocked because this is the first time I see this, like, we have a screen right. in front yeah. of me and nothing like that. So at this point though, to just to remember you and I hadn't engaged in any come as your street farts as we would later on. No, no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no street fights. Right. You and your favorite yet. weapon, the chair. <laughs> the chair. Um, but yeah, um, and so it was interesting. They they brawled. I got out of the ring as soon as possible because uh, you know who knows where these guys were going right. to go. And it was really. I came back and you guys were just shocked. They're like, what did you so say good. to them? So good. I completely <laughs> forgot about 
with that. But as soon as you brought it up, I have that. I have in my mind's eye. I see you hanging out there. Um, but yeah, you have a love of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it, and as you were saying at the top, kind of like has come and gone, yeah. right? You and I uh, watched WrestleMania together two years ago. Yeah, I think we I think watched so, yeah. yeah, the five out, 50 hour long oh, WrestleMania. Almost, like my fiance was passing out. I yeah. think your wife was like, Yeah, my, my wife. Your wife had like, this like weird moment where I was like, She was like, I don't think they're ever going to leave. Because yeah, it ended almost at midnight. Yeah, from it was crazy. Right? And yeah. we had left before it had finished because yeah, yeah, yeah. we were just done <laughs> yeah, that's enough wrestling that's enough um so you uh tell me a bit about your favorite wrestling moments let's start with that and then we're going to kind of get into uh, the the paranormalish stuff as far as favorite um i think i think coming from where we are the most infamous one from us is definitely the montreal screw job right that we which angelo was yeah there yeah, he was, yeah i yeah. i i i find that amazing to know that yeah. and just to know i wonder if he our, used that light line on his wife like <laughs> the first date and guess what yeah i was the montreal Screwjob. <laughs> so, and if she understood it and yeah then, that's what i'm wondering would she understand she would have a lot of questions yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, Montreal-wise, Montreal Scrubs yeah, is a big one. Definitely. Um, I'm just talking about you personally, like, as a, a spectator fan, like, what kind of spoke to you that kept you coming back at different points? Uh, at different points in wrestling, I I always loved the big returns of wrestlers. Right. They would come back from either um, a uh, uh, an injury or just leaving the company to come back. Um, so once I find out, oh, this wrestler is coming back, where else? Like, I remember from the WrestleMania we watched, we were just shocked at what we saw with uh, the Hardys coming back yep. out of the yeah. blue. Yeah. And in this day and age where so many, like, rumors are floating around yeah. and all that, it's kind of amazing when that happens. Do you want to, like, Raja.com, shout out to you guys. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if that website still works. It does. I checked it out a couple really? weeks ago, actually, because I, I was talking to someone else, and I was just like, I wonder if Raja still exists. Wow. But, I mean, like, you were a fan of, like, Wrestle Crap. Like, you you understand, like, as a smart crap, as yeah. a smart mark, you understand that. Uh, Everything being scripted, but yeah. also within that context, like having fun with it, right? I, I very much enjoy the athleticism of it and um, just the theatrics of it in a way. I know the, the you know these guys and these women are physically doing amazing things in the ring, um, whether they're feats of strengths or uh, gymnastics of some variety. Um, I'm just... It's it's good sports entertainment. That's how do you sure. feel about the Shockmaster? Shockmaster, <laughs> the the man in the uh, stormtrooper. Oh my goodness! Um, it's it's amazing that he, I think I never seen someone built up so fast and fall <laughs> so fall far from grace so quickly, and. I totally understand why he fell because there was a crossbeam in there that he tripped over. Right, but, but literally falling. Yeah, he literally fell, lost his hat, well, helmet. But it's just like this is <laughs> this is WCW in a nutshell. This is um, like so kind of going to that direction very quickly. Like, what are your favorite worst things about <laughs> the worst things about wrestling that I. I like and just like stuff like like really bad stuff like there's like incest angles there's uh, like nec- there, like there's necro there, stuff yeah there there was a really dark time in wrestling where a bunch of the storylines were just kind of like how far can we push the envelope on well here? the idea of like the uh, the Undertaker being the actual literal dead man right before yeah. his like biker renaissance yeah there was, who it, had uh, American Badass by Kid Rock yes as there you song. go throwback to our first it's MV3 all about connections there it's we all about go connections. there we go. Um, just bad storylines are, yeah. are always the worst. Like it's, it's, it's like, how did this get past the writing department back there as far as what's happening? How do you feel about the product now? Um, it's, I would say right now is some of the, the best in ring wrestling. If, if you look into it, 
um, especially not not on not on Raw and SmackDown, but if you start looking at the matches that are on NXT, on um, two hundred five, right? Uh, these guys, these new guys, are coming. They're, but do you feel like the WWE has like kind of co opted the the indie system for their own gains by like bringing it in house in that way? Um, well, I'll I'll just be honest. I would think that most people want to be in the WWE for sure. in one way or another. Well, except for the AEW folks. We're not going to talk about <laughs> AEW yet. But, but um, I, I do agree with you. Like, look yeah. at, like, like for example, like somebody like Shinsuke Nakamura wouldn't have seen no. the ring on such a big stage unless it was a way in which to make fun of his ethnicity, yeah. Yokozuna yeah. style, right? Yeah. Um, so I feel like the product technically probably is better storyline-wise. Yeah. I don't really... Storylines are storylines. And I feel like yeah. it's kind of sagging, but I yeah. also feel like it may just be like fatigue because like, like you, Peaks and Valleys for me, right? Yeah, so I'll, there'll be like a year or two where I'm really into it and then mm-hmm. like I'll walk away and then mm-hmm. like I come back and like um, the quality of the storyline has to speak to me and a lot of the times I feel like the they hit reset and they try to center around their pay-per-view so much yeah. that like stories need to climax in a certain kind of like dead set way. Right. Yeah. Same thing as in like comic books, for example, yeah. like comic books usually are in six issue arcs because they want to put out trade paperbacks yeah, yeah. of six issues. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the standard, right? So yeah. they write to the ending almost, mm-hmm. unfortunately to the detriment of the product. Well, the, you always have this issue in wrestling where they always want one more match out of a pairing. Mm. So you'll have, you know, you'll have a, you have a big buildup for the first match, and then they'll be like, "Oh no, I want a rematch." And right. they're like, "Okay, let's let's continue on." Then, oh no, it's like one to one. You need a third match in right. there, and then for some reason there might be another one of yeah. the, the pair. Well, especially like, with the big payday, right? Yeah, like, like a like a Cena Rock, right? For yeah. example, or something like that. Yeah, like that's that's a big one. Yeah. So when you have big names going out, it's it's so there is a uh, there is a fatigue of just how much wrestling is in there as well. Yeah. You know, so I think like in a week, there's somewhere around like 10 hours of wrestling. Right. For and that's not even like the original programming on the oh. WWE network, like all the, uh, the outside of the ring stuff either. I know. I know. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Given that we are a podcast that talks about tech and the paranormal, we kind of want to dive into, um, some of the paranormal stuff. Um, some will make you laugh. Some will yeah. make you sad. So we decided to start with something a little more serious, which is the, the Von Eric curse, yes. right? So okay. the, the, the brothers, yeah. uh, do you want to quickly run us through this? So, uh, the Von Eric's, um, there was, um, the father Fritz Ron Eric. Um, was a very famous wrestler. I forgot which era he was in, but his he he had leave six sons, mm-hmm. and five of them died for various reasons. Right. Um. Some of them were suicides. Some of them were just accidents. Um. It's a very sad story. Um. Which kind of brought in this idea of the Von Erich curse. Right. Um. Where uh the family is just cursed in some fashion. Now the one explanation I heard, and this is what this is what my brother told me. So this is kind of like an urban legend. Yeah, urban legend that I heard. Perfect. So not to put too much stock into this yeah. unscientific. Word unscientific. This this is just urban legend territory. Um, there was a, a gypsy woman who came up to Fritz von Erich, who had a son, and asked Fritz von Erich, "Hey, can you come see my son?" And uh, Fritz von Erich said, "No, I, I won't do it." So the gypsy woman said, because you will not see my son, you're cursed to see the death of all your sons. Wow. I, like I said, urban legend. Right. I don't know, but it's, it's a sad story and it's just one of those. It's one of these weird kind of like series of 
not necessarily coincidences, but circumstances. Circumstances, I guess. yeah. It, it's it's cr- for for an entire for a family, the majority of that family to die in some fashion when we were right. and not like not like decades stretched out no. here. Like it's a very compressed timeline too, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like this really interesting um, tragic tale of these sons who died yeah. of various causes, yeah. you know, and kind of like you know, yeah. So before I forget. You are a listener of Double Density. I know this because you love to text me, and I love your comments. Yes. Um, where do you fall on the Double Density scale of like ufology? Let's stretch it out from ufology to like weirdness, right? From like weirdness. one to four. Yeah. Well, like four being like an Alex yeah. Jones, who we've talked about recently. Oh yeah, we've talked plenty about Alex uh, Jones. You and I have been texting back and forth because of the epic, almost five-hour Alex Jones on Joe Rogan podcast. That's, that that's a marathon. It needs to be bite-sized. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, what I realized. That, that, that should have been five weeks worth of uh, Alex. So yeah, but like, so for example, like one is uh, the crushing spirit of reality where <laughs> nothing else exists. Four is Alex Jones. Um, uh, I'm I'm going to say. I would say somewhere around 2.5. Okay. Okay. So you're more, you're like, you're a little bit of an Angelo versus yeah. like me. Who's like, who for this? You're sh- all in, man. You're for oh, dude, <laughs> 2019. I'm all in. Don't worry about it. Like everything you tell me, I yeah. agree with. Okay. Right? Fantastic. The Von Erich's a curse. Um, uh, Shockmaster. It was a setup. Oh, like it was just, okay. it was like the gobbledygooker, right? Yeah. Like, gobbledygooker. Yeah. Yeah. A total government plant. Okay. Don't worry good. About it. <laughs> but yeah. So, okay. So kind of like in yeah. the middle, a little more on the side of believability. Right? Yeah, so yeah. the idea of a curse, how did like, how do you feel about that? Um, I I personally just think it's it's trying to explain something that's really really sad. Oh, okay. Um, I don't I don't think because it's an urban legend. Um, oddly enough, I tried to research it. I heard found nothing about this in my research. Right. Did you also like we were joking with TJ uh, two weeks ago? But did like did you type in this is for a podcast and <laughs> whatever you need to look up? Um, no, nothing I searched would ruin my Google search <laughs> results. So I was okay with just searching. By the way, that. I want you to come back because I want to do like the, like those Ooh. weird things with you, like things that like tech related, paranormal ish conspiracy theory stuff. Because sure. I feel like you might have an interesting angle on things. I, I probably do. I probably do. Um, anyway, so getting back to yeah. the Von Erich curse, it's, that's a very good point. The idea yeah. of trying to make order out of disorder. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's this. It's a super sad, sad story. Uh, probably if one of the sad stories. Of, I mean, of up there with the hearts, right? Yeah, like, of course, of course. I don't put much stock into it because there's an explanation for how you know how they died. For unfortunately, sure. for sure. Um, it's just the circumstances. The circumstance, yeah. The fact Time that like, it's almost like a domino effect. Yeah, exactly. But you know. I I I don't put much stock into the gypsy curse thing. I just <laughs> right. And so it's not one of the bigger things that you're kind of into. No. Um, <laughs> moving on to the next item, which <laughs> it made me laugh so much because I looked this up. So we're going to talk about um, <laughs> Macho Man haunting an indie vet. There we go. So I'm going to link it to the show notes uh, to a 2015 story <laughs> that reads: The ghost of Macho Man Randy Savage is allegedly haunting a Florida wrestling promotion, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. there's a Look picture in the middle picture. there. Yeah. Um, do you know the concept of double exposure for for, for um, photos? Right. The, the idea that you, you I get the impression f- you're going to tell me if I know and I, I I know very little okay. about photography. The, very 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 briefly. Yeah. Right. The idea that you run a photo and then you run it through again, so therefore there's like two images on top of one. Yeah. Th- this kind of looks like a con- like a, like a double exposure image of <laughs> I don't know like a fly, let's say yeah. or something. But legitimately, it kind of looks like Macho Man, like all like full tassels yeah. with yeah. The, with a hat on. Yeah. Um, and there's like a rest, like there's a wrestling ref in the ring. Um, what do you make of this? Um, I, I think it's pretty legit. No, um, <laughs> I think I, as soon as I saw it, I was thinking this is just some sort of, 
uh, anomaly on the camera or you know held the shutter too long. I'm not sure what would cause it, but I'm also thinking like the position of where it is. It just so it makes example, no sense. Another thing too is just like um, exposure wise, right? The yeah. idea of uh, how camera works is like yeah. quick or slow exposures. Like you can create blurs depending on how the mm. exposure setup, right? So if you um, set a, a, a certain type of exposure and move very quickly, then yeah. it looks like your hand is filling the frame. Yeah. Versus like another type of exposure where it's like if it's taken there and then, right? Yeah. So is this the equivalent of uh, Barney Rubble putting his finger uh, on the uh, camera lens? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it is such a weird photo because, yeah, I do believe it's a bug. It, I, I want to say it's like a bug or like someone running quickly through the rain. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, or like so it, it looks like also, it kind of looks like there's glass or something, right? So oh, it could yeah. be a reflection of a glass. I feel like you and I are looking at the Zapruder film uh, from the from GFK <laughs> intersection, you know, back into the left, yeah. back into the left. Um, but yeah, if you look at it, like it kind of does look like it's a bit of glass or something. Yeah, and the yeah, funny yeah. thing is this dude um, posts on Facebook and people start saying, holy crap, it's, it's, it's Macho Man. Macho Man, yeah. Is, that, is this better than the Jesus and the Toast? Oh, this is... This to, looks, to, me, to me, the Jesus and the Toast is way more compelling than yeah. like, this picture of a fly or whatever uh, this is. Shouts out to the World uh, World Weekly News, which is yeah, like long of course, dead. Of course. Uh, um, Bat Boy and, and everything. Well, so there's a Bat Boy book. I don't know if you know this, but there's like a collected Bat Boy book. Um, one of the weird things to me is that... People, I feel, used to be more gullible, but now whenever I log on the internet, I'm like, no, they're not. They're Have not. you looked at your Facebook feed recently? I'm not on Facebook. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. I, I'm not a, like I'm, yeah, you're I'm right. trying to I'm trying to log less and less onto the Twitter hate machine. Oh, there you go. Um, so to me, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like people were differently gullible, I guess, right? Because differently gullible is a perfect way of putting. Because it was in print, right? So the yeah. idea of, like someone <laughs> took time to put this out I mean, and like deliver it and like oh, like saucers everywhere. Like there's a gill man trying to hunt me down. <laughs> I do agree that I think, especially with stuff like the weekly world news with, you know, such crazy headlines, I think there was a good number of people more gullible with that. Now, we don't have Snopes. As, they didn't have Snopes back then like we do nowadays. Right. That's a very good point, too. Um, something to note, our next item here is uh, you link me to a playlist of uh, WWE superstars and their paranormal stories. Of course. Uh, yeah. Wait. <sighs> Yeah, dude. Um, so uh, the worst, I think, the worst offender was Bray Wyatt. Right? Yes, of course. Totally. Um, because he is in character. He tells the story of Mother Abigail. Yeah, of um, course. Del- delivering him and like the idea of like, oh, I don't even want to get into it. Mm-hmm. We'll link to it in the show notes if you want to watch it. But the yeah. idea that like these stars have inhabited something, but it's based on like a false persona is yeah. very bothersome to me. Yeah. It's almost like uh, like an Unsolved Mysteries reenactment gone wrong. Yeah. Um, the way I, as soon as I saw them, I thought the, the first thing I was saying was it's done in character of our character. Um, some of them, I don't believe, like, I don't, I don't so I, to yeah. start with, like, I don't believe, uh, I, I don't, I, okay, so Bray Wyatt, for sure, I agree with you, it's, it's anything character is not true. I believe that all of them help, had help from writers. Yes, of course. Like, I definitely do agree with that, that, like, they were concepts that set yeah. up, and then, like, they were trying to figure that out. Um, but there, there could be a kernel of truth in some of their stories, especially the one of them with children as children seeing maybe. Uh, so my idea perhaps is yeah. that they came to these writers with, Oh, this yeah. happened to me once. And then they like, they built it out, right. Mm. The way that it often works, um, uh, in a lot of like wrestling storylines where a kernel of truth, as you're yeah. saying, does exist yeah. and then gets propagated. Yeah. Um, not to say that I believe that the story, I don't believe these hauntings really happen right. in that sense, but I think there was, Oh, um, I do believe that the stories are actually from the real person instead right. of their character. That's where do you fall on ghosts? Wow, that's a good question. I 
I mean, you could take a moment, reflect. Yeah. Maybe I'll put some hold music right here. Yeah. From my perception, I think it's possible. Okay. But highly, highly unlikely. Okay. Because I can... So for me, like, I'm kind of in the same boat, whereas, like, I'm a little bit more of a believer, I guess, because of the fact that, like, I only know what I know, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And to me, reality exists as I see it, right? So I can't, and I'm not, like, a master of the universe, though if there is a job posting for that, please, by all means, double underscore density on Twitter, (laughs) let us know. Um, But I do feel like there is... There's plausibility there. Some like I, I can't explain a lot yeah. of different things, right? It's the same thing. Like we often like our bread and butter here on Double NC is UFOs yeah. and aliens, as you yeah. know, right? Yeah. And so for me, there is a kernel truth of believability. Like I do want to, I do want to believe, but yeah. the proof, concrete proof, is very scarce for whatever reason, right? So for me, like I'm kind of in the same boat where like I believe, but I also am very reticent to yeah. come out and like parade the idea around. I mean, I. I have trouble def- defining certain things that happen in certain areas. It's like this is ghost activity or there's right. a ghost here or a ghost is causing this type of thing. Right. That's that's why I think is the biggest issue right. in my head. I right. I think defining it that way. So just very quickly, I don't know if you realize this, but the idea of creating order or disorder, right, yeah. um, comes up again. Mm. So, um, and, you know, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about UFOs and trauma, for example, right? Yeah. And the idea that, like, it's uh, um, uh, aliens are a screen for a traumatic event mm-hmm. that can be easily mm-hmm. experienced, right? So, or not experienced, but rather explained. So yeah. I feel like perhaps some of these things, yeah. once again, like, can exist. Do yeah. they exist? I'm not sure. And I can't, I haven't had enough um, uh, experience with these things in order for me to concretely say this happened to me so therefore I believe right mm-hmm. so I feel like to me that's kind of where I'm at yeah I I don't have any personal experience in that sense with, with ghosts or ghost like activities so I can't really I can't say you know for sure. from personal Probably. experience in that so the next time you come back let's try and have okay. a ghostly experience okay. like I'm gonna google and firstly I'm gonna google like doing this for a podcast but then I'm gonna be like how do you make ghosts appear right? <laughs> ghosts appear and the thing too is like the concept of ghosts and, and, and things like that are very serious to certain people so I don't yeah. mean to necessarily mock it or make light of it but it is something that I'd like to um, um, have some kind of dealings with I yeah. guess at one point it'd be interesting I'm not trying to say like come haunt me or anything yeah. but like I'm open to different ideas. You know, they could be haunting and stuck in your washroom or something with that <laughs> locked <laughs> right, up. Right. <laughs> Imagine if I died in there and I was like, yeah, Bruno just, <laughs> I don't know. I never showered. Wow. I don't know. He was in my bathtub for 60 to 80 days. Didn't realize wow. That. Uh, that is very morbid. And I yeah, apologize. That, that is incredibly morbid. First time guest on the podcast. And I'm already like, yeah, he's, he's dead. Just, <laughs> he's super dead. Wow. Um, so these WWE stories on brand no, kind no, of, yeah. and, and for sure they were filtered yeah. and like, you know, kind of created. Yeah. Good, uh, good production values in the video. <laughs> uh, you want to bring up one last one before we wrap things up. As far as, um, par- uh, paranormal things within, uh, wrestling itself. So kayfabe. 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 Yeah. Paranormal. Kayfabe in the storyline, um, uh, wrestling event. I do remember at one point in WCW, the Ultimate Warrior was giving Hulk Hogan uh, more or less a bad time. 
And it was Hulk Hogan and uh, Eric Bischoff in the dressing room area. Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff in front of a large mirror with cameras, of course, Mm -hmm. and announcers watching what was happening as well. And out of nowhere, using probably a pretty cheap mirror effect with lights, the ultimate warrior shows up in the mirror and (laughs) as an apparition. Hulk Hogan freaks out. The announcers freak out. Everybody, the the audience obviously can see Ultimate Warrior and what he's doing. Eric Bischoff is completely oblivious to what's happening. He's dedicated. He's dedicated. He does not see anything. He is playing the part of what do you see, Hulk Hogan, whatsoever. (laughs) He looks like the idiot in the scene and not anybody else who sees. But I mean, that's that's kind of by design, right? Yes, of course. Um, Cheap ghost effects are a really interesting way of uh, scaring someone and um, uh, different kind of tropes. So let's take out wrestling and go to the movies and television. The jump scare. Yeah, where there's like a ghastly yeah, apparition, yeah. right? That is often what is the case. And often the Eric Bischoff, oh, you didn't see anything. Yeah. What are you seeing? Describe it to me in character. It, you know, it's kind of yeah. like a, a well-worn kind of trope, right? So yeah. um, uh, fun Eric Bischoff. I don't know how I feel about him. I don't know. He's got a podcast that I haven't listened to yet. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, Rob from Our Strange Guys, let me know about that one. I'm not sure if I want to go in there too oh, much. I, I, I listen okay. to enough podcasts yeah. already. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Bruno, I was about to ask you where people could find you on the internet. But they clearly, uh, what, what did we say? Like cool dude 69? <laughs> cool dude. 3,000 something I don't know I, number keeps changing uh, so yeah if you want to find him like get through me I guess uh, yeah. Bruno you want to come back on let's do this let's, um, let's talk about like weird computer conspiracies we'll have Angelo on too so it'll, yeah, be, it'll okay. be a three that'd for that'd be interesting you and I could gesticulate as he because you and I could do this in person yeah yeah and then uh, Angelo will have no idea what we're pointing and giggling at oh, okay fantastic um, and he will only hear this episode when it's out because he's on vacation whereas yeah. you and I are slaves to capitalism okay <laughs> and uh, we are here Bruno Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also, everyone should tune in next week as we dig through old government files to discuss the notions of the Bilderberg Group. Bruno, it's been a pleasure, and I'll see you around. Thank you.